Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down. And today we're looking at the sermon, Step Out of the Boat, From Comfort to Courage. Hi, my name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat, because not only do we have Jesse Marks with us, but we also have Mr. Michael Godfrey. Guys, introduce yourselves. Uh, Well, I'm Michael Godfrey. Uh, You haven't heard from me yet. I'm new. But you will be hearing from me soon in the next episode of After Summon Podcast, where we'll be discussing one of my songs. He's the rookie today, but Mm. from now on, he will be... One of the official members, I suppose. One of the official guests on the show. One of the regulars. And yeah, you guys probably would know me from last week. Um, But this time, I'm bringing you the sermon. So, I hope you enjoy. Well, let's get into the recap. But just before we do, if you haven't watched Step Out of the Boat from Comfort to Courage, which is Jesse's sermon, go to the link below and come back here later because this podcast is full of spoilers. Alright, so let's get into your impressions. What did you think of the sermon? What did you like? Response. Awesome. Well, I really liked, uh, to begin with, just how you sort of prefaced everything by explaining the definition of comfort Mm -hmm. zones Mm -hmm. and even giving a bit of the historical background uh, (laughs) to do with comfort zones. And I think that gives a better... A greater understanding and almost an appreciation for what comes next and it also gives it a sense of relatability because especially a lot of the examples you gave because I think at least we could all at least uh, empathize with one of those examples mm, that's, I, was, I was hoping so yeah. whether it was you know a, a fear of traveling on a plane or public speaking or what have you everyone has their comfort zones, and everyone has things that they're afraid to do and afraid to go out of. Yes. And that's one of the most relatable things, really, uh, that we can all share and empathize with. And mm-hmm. I really liked how there was, there was, you didn't feel the need to go into a lot of different areas. You just sort of stuck with the story of Peter and mm, him being right. pulled out into like the too. water. And uh, I... You don't see enough of that, really. Yeah. Someone just sticking in one place, and the way that you were able to break down so much from just a few verses was really good. So I think it left a really good lasting impact, uh, just a really good challenge to step out of our comfort zones. And I'll tell you what, it's one of those sermons uh, that congregations not necessarily always want to hear because yes. it's very convicting. That's and, true, that's true. But then again, I think that can also be one of the best types of sermons, and it's one of the things we need. And if... If we feel convicted of something, that shows that there is somewhere we can improve in our spiritual lives. So, mm. I really like that. Mr. Godfrey, any yes, thoughts? Um, I, I'm going to echo a lot of that. I thought that the uh, definitions at the beginning were really, really good. I thought that it was great that we had some context and that we um, understood exactly what you were talking about and where the sermon was going. The structure was really clear from the beginning. Um, I also liked how you kept um, in the same place in the book of Matthew the whole time, pretty much. I mean, you had verses that were mm. here and there, mm. but generally speaking, it was in this one section. You wanted to focus on this one yeah. passage, and that was really, really good because it, you know, it, it made it easier for us to to kind of understand what you were saying and to just you, you stuck to the point really, really well. I also liked how you brought your own personal experiences into it, yeah, um, because that made it relatable, like you were saying. 
Yeah. yeah. So overall, really good job. Really easy to understand, easy to follow, and um, the verses were just really, really relevant as well. Yeah. So awesome. that was that was good. Good job. So once again, guys, make sure that you check out that sermon. It'll be in the link below uh, to Jesse's YouTube channel and mm-hmm. to that video. So make sure you check it out and make Definitely. sure make sure you share it with people as well because it is a really good message that needs to be heard. Mm, so definitely worth listening. Make yeah. sure you give Jesse some feedback on yeah. that. Yeah, thank you guys. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get the ball rolling by going to our segment, The Drawing Board. Michael, what is The Drawing Board? Uh, The Drawing Board is where we discuss the sources, inspirations, and goals of the sermon in order to better understand the sermon in question. Mr. Marks, what was some of the things, what were some of those sources that you used, or what, what inspired you to kind of create this idea? Yeah, well, actually, the original thought of the sermon goes back quite a while, um, uh, starting off, actually, at the, around the beginning of the year when I was doing a youth talk, actually. And I thought, you know, I, I had a sermon going up and I thought I would reuse the idea. Mm, uh, I remember that. Creative business, it always helps to reuse good ideas. This is true. So I did that and I sort of like chucked, uh, I guess I refocused it, made it into a sermon in that sense. It's a different kind of um, yeah, presentation, so you have to change things here and there. But yeah, I added more research into it, some more thoughts. I read over the, the, the chapter again and the story and just added a few more things and pretty much just combined it all together into the, the sermon that you guys hopefully have watched so far. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I'm assuming that your end goal was really just to challenge people to, uh, to, do, to go and step out of their comfort zones and to feel uh, that, that courage that comes with trusting God and knowing that you know, mm. whatever whatever we do, if it's God's will and we're going where he calls, that he's going to do it. And mm. I think you effectively got that yeah, message that across. Yeah, that was definitely the message that came across. Definitely, yeah. That's, that's definitely what I was aiming for. Great. Awesome. So, yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> All right, then. Let's get right into the main meat of the podcast, the cutting room floor. Ooh. Michael, what is the cutting room floor? Okay, well, the cutting room floor is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't make it into the final pro- product. Awesome. All right, uh, Mr. Marks, lead us through. What didn't quite make it in? Yeah, well, if you remember from my sermon, I, I mentioned that there was actually a lot in this story. And when I said that, I really meant that because <laughs> there is so much. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. incredible. Um, even specifically just on comfort zones. And I kind of want to look through a couple of the verses again today. We got some more things about comfort zones. And yeah, hopefully you guys find a blessing. So um, the, the first thing I want to look at is in the the chapter the same story but it's matthew chapter 14 verse 29 so i'll read that out for you guys and then we'll we'll get into it so yeah it says this so he said come and when peter had come down out of the boat he walked on the water to go to jesus now i just want to focus on this one word come in my experience and i'm sure probably yours as well when god is calling us to do something out of our comfort zones so often we want a sermon telling us that this is what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. We just want something that covers every detail and just removes every little glimpse, glimpse and smither of doubt and yeah, discouragement and, and whatever it is. But I find it really interesting that in this, Jesus doesn't do any of that. All he says is come. And I find that really interesting. And it, it's not much, but in my personal opinion, Jesus leaves this really uh, for our benefit. It, it leaves an element of trust. It leaves an element of faith, I believe. And really, if Jesus says come, I think it's enough. 
to be mm. honest. If Jesus says that one unambiguous <clears throat> word with no, really, to be honest, come doesn't leave any room for doubt. Yeah, God says come. It's, it's kind of a command. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's, it's not like <laughs> it's up for interpretation. No, either. no, no. no. <laughs> it's a direct command. It yeah. is, yeah. Pretty much. So it may not be enough, uh, much, sorry, but with Jesus, I think it's plenty enough. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my first point. Uh, the next point I want to get into is found in verses 30 and 31. So, yeah, we'll read that out. Awesome. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and began and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Right, yeah. So a few things in this. I really like how the Bible says Peter began to sink. Hmm. began to sink. So imagine, I'm sure you've done this, you've jumped into a pool. When you jump into the pool, do you sort of like gradually go down? <laughs> or is it shoo, straight it, down? It's pretty sudden, yeah. That's if you jump in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So in Peter's scenario, it's interesting. I don't know if this is... No, the Bible doesn't give us the details, but Peter began to sink. Hmm. So it, it tells me when we're out of our comfort zones and we do fall, as I mentioned from time to time in my sermon, God doesn't let us sink. He doesn't let us go all the way down, mm. and not instantaneously anyway. It's almost like God was miraculously uh, letting Peter fall down slowly, yeah. if that kind of makes sense. So God will never let us go the full way. He'll always get to us in the nick of time. I, th- I find that encouraging. Yeah. Um, so the next point I want to dis- discuss is, um, yeah, when Jesus rescued Peter. So I think it's interesting that Peter had to call out first. Hmm. Yeah, Jesus was there, ready and willing to, to rescue him. But it wasn't Peter cried out. Peter cried out, sorry, Lord save me, that he actually grabbed down and picked Peter up. So I think in the in this it teaches us a lesson. Sometimes we need to call out for Jesus for help. Yeah. God doesn't want us to suffer through the storm. God doesn't want us to, to drown, and I don't think He will. But I think it's also very important that we acknowledge that we need help. Yeah. We acknowledge and call out to Jesus. And then, as the Bible says, immediately Jesus caught, uh, put his hand down and picked up Peter. Mm. So I, I think that's quite interesting as well. And um, I think if you look into it as well, Peter, Jesus only comes to Peter after Peter has called for help. Mm. That's mm. right. Peter's not sinking and then Jesus comes up and grabs him. Uh, and looking at that within a wider context in the fact that, you know, we cry out to Jesus when we're in need and uh, when we need his help. Mm. Jesus isn't going to, you know, come and grab you without you ever asking for the help. Mm. That's right. Uh, Jesus is going to ask. He's going to be there when you need him, but he's also not going to force you to do it That's either. That's right. He's never mm. going to impose on our free will. Yeah. Exactly. If, you, if you don't want help, he's not going to come after you. He's not going mm. to say... Mm. Too bad, so sad. He's going. <laughs> he's going to be there when you ask him, but he's also not going to impede on that free will. And mm. I think that shows l- the the love of God on both sides, regardless of the consequent actions um, of our decisions. There's that love on either side. Yeah, man, that that is so true. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, the, there's another actually a little part I want to look at in verse. Actually, it, a couple of verses. Verse twenty-two verse 27 and verse 31. It's kind of like a theme that you read throughout this story. Um, I hope you hope you find it interesting. Sure. Uh, verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat 
and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Have you got 27? Yeah. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And 31, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Are ye of little faith? Why did ye doubt? So I think it's interesting. Um, if you picked up on the, the word that was re- repeated three times, it's immediately. Hmm. Now, it's interesting. Jesus immediately, what does he do? He immediately commands. He commands the disciples to go on the boat and leave. He does that immediately. He immediately encourages, you know, and the disciples thought he was a ghost. He um, <clears throat> he goes up to them and says, you know what? It's me, guys. It's, mm. Don't have to be afraid. It's me. <laughs> mm. And then he immediately rescues Peter. And it's interesting because the one thing he doesn't do immediately is confirm Peter's call. Yeah. So when he says come, it doesn't say immediately. And I think that's interesting, to be honest. Uh, there's a possible, there's a few reasons why. Um, Mr. Peterson, I think you had a thought on this. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how much more in depth I can go there, but uh, I think it is interesting that, um, yeah, it says Peter comes out uh, right after God uh, Jesus has called him. And then it's, yeah, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. It's as though, you know, God's not going to wait around and mill around to take mm-hmm. his time. If he, if one of his children calls out to him, like any father, I mean, if a, if mm-hmm. a kid was out on the road and is calling out for their dad to save them, you think the dad's going to go, oh, hang on, I'm, I'm cooking, or <laughs> hang on, I just need to do my hair before I come out and get you. The dad's going to run out straight away and mm. save the child. He's going to stretch out his hand immediately mm. and save the child. There's, I think that's a, that's a really cool promise that God gives us. Mm. And it should assure us when we go out of our comfort zones. It should be a comforting thought that all we need to do is ask for that help uh, in prayer and God will come and help us immediately. Exactly. And he, yeah, as he's, we've read, he does it all throughout the story, which is interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess bring it to the point, except confirming. I was wondering, like, why would God do all of these things immediately except confirm? I think there's maybe two reasons. Pick and choose. But yeah, I, these, these are the ones that I thought of. So sometimes, maybe, Jesus doesn't give confirmation immediately. Sometimes, maybe, he wants to leave us to trust in him a little bit, to have a bit of faith. And when he's calling us out of the boat, maybe he doesn't want us to go out immediately. That's a possibility. Um, Another reason could be, regardless of how immediate Jesus wanted Peter to get out of the boat, maybe it was just up to Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Mr. Peterson had that thought, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, did I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, that, that, that's interesting, I find. Awesome. So, yeah, the, the next verse is found in cha- uh, chapter 14, obviously, but verse 30. And can we also look up Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18? Sure, I've got Proverbs. I think. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Verse 30, it says this. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And Proverbs yeah. says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
Yeah. Now, this isn't something um, explicitly mentioned in the chapter, but I think it's curious, and as you probably heard in my sermon, highly likely that a bit of pride could be wrapped up in this whole incident with Peter. I mean, if you were walking in water, do you <laughs> think that you would not be proud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can see that quickly going to your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, we as humans, when we walk out on a lake, what happens? Do we actually just, like, walk, 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 and not sink? Or do we walk and go deeper and deeper and deeper and That's deeper? That's right. Yeah, it, it's a natural thing to sink. And Peter in this position, as we said, yeah, he's probably pretty proud. Hmm. Um, physics, that's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so yeah, but going back to that verse as well, a pride cometh before a fall, essentially. A oh, what he spirit before a fall, but yeah, mm. pride before destruction. But yeah, it's interesting. It, to me, it, it focuses, my, focuses my direction straight on Peter's experience. So Peter possibly had some pride, and what did he do? Well, he fell. He, or he fell. sank. <laughs> he sank exactly. I think I think you're probably onto something as well, um, because as you as you read the the verses a bit more in depth, it says when he saw that the wind was boisterous, indicating that he was no longer looking at Jesus. Mm. He walked on the water to go to Jesus, is what it says in verse 29, and then it says in 30, he saw the wind and he was boisterous, and then he was afraid. And then he began to sink. Mm, that's right. Mm. And I think there might be a link there because once he got took his eyes off Jesus, mm. he may have started to do it in his own power. And I think that might even be confirmed in 31 when it says, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? If I was relying on my ability mm. to go across the waves, I would have a lot of doubt. And if you... And we and we know to begin with that when he had his faith on Jesus and his focus and his eyes were set on Jesus, he didn't have that problem of doubt. It was only when he started seeing the waves and started seeing the problems surrounding him mm. that this problem began to come up and arise. That's so right. I think you're exactly. under something there for it sure. It reminds me of, of that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and mm. where mm. you're looking at Jesus and then no matter what's around you, uh, I mean, you, you don't notice it, you can't see it, but then as soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, mm. it all becomes real. Yeah. yeah. It becomes evident. Yeah. Mm. Very good. So yeah, uh, let's see. The next verse I want to look at is verse 31. Awesome. And... We're going to be very familiar with these verses yeah. by the time we're yeah. done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're I think this is out. third time running, but it's <laughs> always good to reread. Great. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay. Now, just reading over this at a glance. Uh, it, yeah, okay. Peter sank. Of course he had little faith. But I think we missed the point that Peter actually had the faith to walk on water in the mm. first place. Okay, okay. So if this was me, I don't think I would have this faith. I would consider myself <laughs> so little faith. But Peter has a faith, the faith apparently to walk on water. And yet Jesus says, oh man of little faith. Mm. That is interesting, isn't it? I'm like, what? Like sometimes I don't think I have the faith to walk on water, uh, walk on land, sorry, let alone water. <laughs> So, oh man, what, what do I do with this? And I was thinking about this and I had a thought, maybe, maybe it's irrelevant whether we're walking on land or walking on water, whatever it is, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Whatever it is, because if you think about it, comfort zones are quite different for different people. Some people may find public speaking, for example, a hard thing to do. Some people may find doing exams a hard thing to do. But the person who finds the exam hard may find public speaking easy. 
Like, it just depends. So really, whatever it is, whatever our personal walking water experience is, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And so in that sense, I, I think it's irrelevant. What if we fall, whatever uh, whatever that thing is outside of our comfort zones, we are lucky in faith, essentially. Mm. But mm. the thing is, and the, the point I make in the sermon is, Peter still was lacking in faith. Peter still doubted, but he still walked in the water. Yeah. Jesus still caught him out. And I don't think that lack of faith or doubt should stop us from doing that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think you're right in that a lot of people forget the part where he did walk on the water. Yeah. We just remember the part where, hey, guess what? You failed. We put a lot of emphasis on that part and we forget that he actually took the first step. Yeah. Took it out of the boat. He did. Mm. And I'd, none of the other disciples did. None of the other Peter. disciples did. It was just Peter. And can you really... Um, you can't really fault him in that first verse. No. Where he's taking that first step. Not to begin with. You can't really. But I think if we just keep um, procrastinating <laughs> and we, we don't go out and we don't make that first step in the boat, well, we're never going to succeed. Ah, but you might not never fail, mm. but you will never also succeed mm. and get to that place where God wants you to be. And I'm pretty sure, I think we'd all be confident in saying, we're all going to have some falls mm. in life. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the, the bigger problem. The bigger problem is, do we then, uh, do we or do we not call out to Jesus mm. for mm. that help? That's the real problem, and that's where the real decision lies. Definitely. Are you going to get back up from that failure and mm. continue to push through that uncomfortable zone and get through it. And that point mm. links back to the point you made before about Jesus, who does everything immediately. Jesus doesn't mm. procrastinate. He doesn't put things off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just does it straight away. Yeah. Mm. And we need to have that same, um, I guess, mindset. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. So, yeah. Our, our next point is in verse 33. Now, have we read verse 33 yet? You know what? I don't no, think we have. No, I don't think we this have. This is new. Verse 33 says... Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Ah, cool. Um, also, if we just quickly skip up to verse 32 as well, and it says, um, When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Oh, yes, yes, that's an important point. So, yeah, um, I think it's interesting that all throughout the Bible, God never stops the storm. He always gets us through the storm. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm. When Peter sank... God could have stopped the storm and said, okay, Peter, uh, the storm stopped. You can swim, right? You're a fisherman. Just swim back to the boat. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but he didn't, did he? Like, he, he picked Peter up, and then Peter walked back on water, assumingly, back to the boat, while the storm was still going. Because it wasn't until they hopped in the boat that the storm left. Yeah. The storm ceased. So sometimes when we fall, as we, we will most likely, during the storm, God... Don't expect the storm to stop, essentially. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't really matter because God picks us up and he gets us through. So don't expect the storm to stop. Expect God to get you through the storm, essentially, mm. is the point. I think I might know why uh, why God wants to keep us through the storm as opposed to getting out. Does it have something to do with James chapter 1, Mr. Marks? It, it might. <laughs> oh, I'm onto it. You got some inside knowledge. Yeah. Inside <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> Should we go there right now? Mate, I'm already there. What are you guys oh, doing? <laughs> I'll do it. James, we're in James chapter 1 and reading from verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, mm. knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
Exactly. I thought this was just like a nice segue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, essentially, why why does God not stop the storm? Because the storm actually grows us. It actually, yeah, increases our faith, increases our trust in God, and yeah, it tests us. I'm sure <laughs> when when people <clears throat> are going through something they're not expecting, when they get a fright, or when they're just really unexpected and uh, something comes up, you really see their true colors, don't you? Mm. In the heat of the moment, their true character comes through. Yeah. And and tests and storms really bring that out. Mm. It makes us realize our faults, that uh, we really need God in really everything. And it, in that sense, we can pray to God, ask Him to change us, and He will. Yeah. It, it's a growing experience, and I think that's awesome. I like how it talks about, you know, um, the testing of your faith produces patience, or um, mm. the word can also be pretty easily replaced by saying endurance or perseverance. And then it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without Mm. reproach, and will be given to him. So I like this. It goes, through trials, we gain perseverance, and through that perseverance, we gain wisdom, and then Mm. ask of God for that wisdom... And I like this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea mm-hmm. driven and tossed by the wind, Man. which kind of links right back to that analogy. Yeah, man, I love it. You got to get through the storm, and you got to ask God to help you get through it. And it's talking a bit more specifically here that that uh, growth of character that comes through getting through trials in our life will give us wisdom. And we need only to ask for God to impart that wisdom as well. Uh, yeah, and we can't be double-minded about it. Mm, man, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Uh, next verse, actually, I think, just, just to give us a little break. It's not actually in Matthew. Hey. <laughs> it's in uh, 1 Corinthians, actually. So it's 1 sure. Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. And it, it says this, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Very, very interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, to be honest, I find it quite encouraging. I don't really consider myself extremely wise or extremely mighty, but it's okay because God often doesn't use his people. Um, it, I sort of cover this a little bit in my sermon, so I won't go into too much depth. <laughs> But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. All throughout the Bible, you'll find God uses these, yeah, really, like, uh, these weak people, these weak individuals to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible isn't a story, uh, the Bible isn't stories about great men. It's about men who do great things through the power of God. And you just find this all throughout the Bible. Like Moses, for example, a very unlikely leader. He, he describes himself as the meekest of all men. He, he stutters, well, he's slow of speech. And yet God uses him to be one of the most effective and powerful leaders in the, the whole Bible. It's crazy. And Gideon, for example, that shy little guy hiding, hiding away. And yet, God, <laughs> God yeah, look how God used him yeah. to defeat the Midianites. I think the key is that the people who God cho- chooses, rather, are often percepted as weak by societal values. Mm. Societally and culturally... Uh, Moses was slow of speech. I wouldn't send a guy who's slow of speech to, uh, you know, address an official 
dignitary of a nation who mm-hmm. holds the salvation of an entire nation of people in their hands. Like, yeah. Yeah. That typically wouldn't be my first person to go to, or with Gideon. No military background, no military mm-hmm. training. Uh, he really should... He has no qualifications for what he's about to do. Mm. But the qualifications was not with the cultural and societal values that we look upon, or even David. When Samuel goes... Uh, to all the sons of Jesse, he's looking at all the tall, strong guys. Mm-hmm. And where's David? He's off uh, with the taking care of the sheep. And that's I think that's the crux when Samuel says, you know, uh, God, man looks on the outside, that's right. but God looks at inside. The and that's the thing. God looks at people's spiritual qualifications. Yes. Moses and Gideon and David, I reckon what they all had in mind was, what they all had in common was that they were trusting in God. Mm. They were humble enough to accept guidance and wisdom from God, Yes, mm. and uh, they were happy to go outside of those comfort zones that they had because they knew where God was taking them. Mm. That's right. They had trust in trust. God's plan. They weren't trying to do their own thing. Someone who probably had a military background at the mm. Battle of 300 probably would have said, oh, God, this isn't a great plan. Yeah. You want to cut down our army to 300? Mm. Exactly. This is not going to work. Whereas Gideon, the person who's unqualified, he goes, you tell me what to do. Yeah. And I'll do it. Because I have no idea. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> and uh, I suppose that comes down to, again, us hearing that appeal that God gives us. He just says one word, come. Come, come with me and do and, you know... Be fishers of men, uh, and that, that's up to us whether we mm. agree to that. Um, yeah, that request or not. Mm. Mm. Great thought. Great thought. So yeah, um, this is—it's not in, uh, it's slightly going off track a little bit, but I think it's a cool verse nonetheless. It's—it's it's found in Proverbs, and it's Proverbs chapter three and verse six, I believe. Awesome. All right. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Or I know a lot. Some of the translations will say he will make your path straight. So, hmm. awesome. So yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a segue, but I th- oh, departure. That's what I meant. <laughs> Opposite <laughs> of a segue. Anti yes. uh, segue. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. But yeah. Anyways, I think it's a really cool verse. Um, I think with comfort zones, it sort of sort of ties in because it's to do with God's calling. To do, to do with God's will in your lives. But here it says it plainly. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. So what does it mean to acknowledge him? Acknowledge him in all your ways. I think it really comes down to asking God for him to use your life. To, to use your, pretty much submitting your will to him and then God will direct your paths. Yeah. It's not just in one thing, in all things. Like, I don't know, but I feel like if we are to walk in water... We are to do these incredible things to God. We have to acknowledge Him in everything. Yeah. We have to submit our wills to Him. It was, yeah, you, I think you even covered this in your last point, but yeah, I think that's really encouraging. So, sure. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. Where are we headed next, Mr. Marks? Yes. Next verse is Philippians 4.13. Uh-huh. This one's uh, very, very well very, known Very verse. well known, very popular. Yes. <laughs> I think we've got it hanging up on our wall at home. It says, <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Perfect. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really need to cover it that much. God <laughs> is giving us the strength to step out of our comfort zones. Yeah. If we trust in him, you know, we can do it. Exactly. With his help. So, yeah. That, enough said. Enough said. I think that's... Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, carrying on with that, it looks like Zechariah 4.6. 
says, "Not by might or by power, but by my spirit." I, I like this. Yeah, I like that one. Too. Yeah, it, it connects well with uh, Philippians one as That's well. That's right. It's saying it's Christ. It's not. It's not yourself. You can't do it in your own power. Yeah, like like walking in water. It's something that defies physics. It's, it does. Yeah. It's, it's unnatural. It's supernatural. And again, as soon as Peter starts to in his own strength, exactly. Down, down he goes. Yeah. God is the one that gets us through. Yeah. So, um, I, I like. There's also an analogy I was going to add into the sermon. It's it's really quite good, but for time, uh, I I couldn't add it in. It's a shame. But it's comfort zones can be like a pool. You know, a cold pool at a water park or maybe even the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so essentially, when you go up to a cold pool, what do you do? You, most people would kind of like dip their feet in. Oh, it's cold! It's cold! Yeah, and then just run away. That's right. Just run away. Like, or, or people try to do the really slow wade in. They'll uh, they get a little bit, and then it gets up like, to like oh, their tummy, yeah. and they go, "No, no, no, too cold, too cold." Exactly. So I, I think this relates to Peter's experience a little bit. I mentioned in the sermon that, you know, if it was me, I would kind of, like, do the wait-in thing. I would, yeah. like, get my foot in. I was like, oh, I don't know about this, and sort of come back out. Yeah. But, yeah, I imagine the story, Peter just, like, jumping out of the boat. Um, and I think sometimes with our comfort zones, we have to do that. Mm. We can't, in this sense, we can't overthink it. Obviously, it's something that's going to be challenging. In Peter's case, unnatural and something defying physics. So, yeah. really, you just can't, you can't think about it too much. You just have to trust God and just jump into the pool. And once you do that, the pool's not so bad. The pool's not as cold as if you wade in. That's the interesting thing mm. about comfort zones. Uh, once you do something that's... <clears throat> pardon me. Once you do something that's outside your comfort zone, a lot of the time that new experience becomes within your comfort zone. That's exactly. right, that's right. For example, uh, boy, I've been preaching sermons for quite a few years now. I, I personally don't really get nervous. There are a lot of things that can get me nervous, but for some reason... Uh, public speaking really hasn't been one of them. It's kind of become part of my comfort zone now. Mm. I have a lot of other areas where I'm terrified to do certain things. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, that's just, I suppose, one example of how when we do go out in faith, we kind of broaden our horizons into mm. what we can do. And I think that's, again, that idea of that God knows more about what we can do and who we mm. are than we really know. Yeah, that's so true. It, we just need to trust in God to take us down that path and I think it will be one of those times where you look back, and a lot of people use this analogy for bad things. Oh, I just got down the path, and how did I get here? Yeah. How, now I'm stuck. But in this case, it's a good example. People go, how did I get here? You know, I was here, and look how far God has taken me, and look at the, you know, the spiritual success that's been able to come as a result mm -hmm. of just trusting in God and allowing His Holy Spirit to work through us. Mm -hmm. That's right. And the further you go and the more you step out of your comfort zone, the easier it gets, like you said. I think you yeah. said that already. Yeah. I guess in that sense, comfort zones aren't really that, that bad. You just have to expand them. Yeah, that's you do. That's right, you just, do. That's, that's true. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, there's this quote by an unknown, uh, I personally, in my opinion, I think a lot of good quotes are by unknown people, but... um. It says this, a ship in a harbour is safe, but that is not what a ship is made for. I think, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, God doesn't want us to stay in the boat. God wants us to get out of the boat. You know, a ship is not, um, a ship is safe in the harbour. Not much is going to get it. There's protection against the wind, against elements, against yeah, waves and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. But that's not what a ship is made for. It's made to sail. 
Yeah, open that's right. And a modern example could be a car is safe in the garage. Mm. <laughs> it's not what the car's exactly. made for, and that's not what you want your car to. That's not what you want the car's yeah. life experience yeah. to be. You want it to be <laughs> cooped up in the garage. Yeah, I, know. I mean, that's not why you buy a car. You don't buy a car to have it sit there all day. You yeah. buy a boat to have it sit in the harbour. Exactly. And I suppose that's the I, the real reason no one wants to go out of their comfort zones is the fear of failure mm. and that element of risk. Mm. Uh, do you want to make that risk and potentially risk failure? Uh, but a lot of people also don't think there's also the possibility for a success. Mm. Mm. Sorry, keep going. Oh, and, and if you, I feel I feel like I might be just stealing your point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're thinking the same I thing. Think we are. But um. If we have got... Yeah, you're thinking the same thing. The, your possibility of success... Is amplified. Mm. Is amplified mm. tenfold. Yes. Mm. If it's God's will for something to happen, there really is no risk <laughs> of failure, is Man, there? it's so true. But uh, it's just our little human minds. Uh, I mean... It, yeah, we can't see the big picture. We can't see the big picture. Yeah. We've got this tiny little picture and we go, but God, can't you see how this is going to go wrong? Mm. And God's got this big picture and he's just going, oh, just... just just walk out. Just walk out. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Just trust me. So, man, great point. So, this is... <gasps> it's my favorite part, Godfrey. What is oh, this? It's a b- b- bonus, bonus round. round. Oh, bonus <laughs> round. Oh, man. Here we go. Here so, we go. So, yeah, things not really relevant to comfort zones, but really cool things. Trivia, almost. Ooh. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Bonus. Whatever... What's the fancy term for brackets again? Oh, parenthesis. 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 Trivia round. There mm. we go. I like it. So, yeah. Uh, this is found in chapter 14, verse 26. Uh, back in Matthew. Back in Matthew. Back in Matthew. Sure, let's go back but to Matthew. I don't think it's a verse we've read. Oh, okay. Well, okay, here we go. new content. Here we go. Hopefully. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying... It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Interesting, isn't it? Like, the disciples, obviously, hence the name disciples, were spending a lot of time near Jesus. And Jesus comes up to them walking on the water, and they think it's a ghost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, how can you spend that much time with someone who does that many miracles, i.e. the feeding of the 5,000, something very divine, Mm. and yet, like, honestly, who else would you think would be walking on water except Jesus? But I think it's interesting. Yeah, that's Definitely true. Interesting. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I guess we also have to give the disciples a little bit of slack in this situation as well. I mean, yeah. They probably weren't <laughs> thinking straight considering the storm, so... Exactly. Right. And did you talk about the time of day? I think you said it was yes. early in the morning. So probably dark. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they really wouldn't have expected yeah. anything like that to happen. And exactly. If a ghost is going to come... Uh, Night time. It's a good time. Night time's probably been a good time. Foggy, so, um, got the storm happening. Uh, yeah, I'm not a not a theologian when it comes to Jewish folklore and customs, <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing yeah. that's kind of a general thing yeah, <laughs> that cultures sort of believe in. And also, much. this miracle wasn't this one of Jesus's biggest miracles up into. I mean, obviously, his his resurrection was his biggest miracle, but um, up up until this point, I don't think they would have seen anything quite like this. Mm, yeah, exactly. probably smaller scale stuff mm. and probably something that a prophet could do, but mm. probably not something uh, considered divine, yes, which that's right. leads into our, it looks like our last verse. Perfect. Oh. I mean, perfect that it leads into it. Here we go. Uh, verse 33. Sure. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, 
you are the son of God. Yes. I think, yeah, incredible. Uh, for, for homework, go up and look some texts about walking on water. I was reading some commentary about this. Actually, walking on water is actually a very divine act. The, the Jews regarded this act as something only God can do. A mm. um, couple of verses that you guys can look up. There's a few here. Job 9.8, Psalm 77 verse 19, and Habakkuk 3.15. So, nah, look those up. It's it's quite interesting. Awesome. Well, there we go. That concludes the cutting room floor for today. Uh, Mr. Marks, do you have any recommended readings or anything you'd suggest the folks at home have a look at? Yes, I, I do. I, I research a lot of things, but two things I would highly recommend is uh, actually the commentary on this chapter by John Calvin. It's actually very yeah. interesting. Very nice. Hmm. And the book, Desire of Ages, specifically the chapter on Peter's walking water experience. I believe it's called A Night on the Lake. So, yeah. Awesome. Very good things. All right. Looks Great. like you guys have some extra reading you can do at home if you'd like to if you're learn a little bit more about this topic. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Michael Godfrey, where can these people find you? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, um... I don't have a dedicated YouTube channel for anything that I've done as of yet because I haven't uploaded a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that's coming soon. I'll let you know in the next after sermon podcast. Uh, I'll give you more information about that. Awesome. And you can find me on the link below um, if you're remembering from last week's podcast there as well. So yeah, awesome. And you guys know. Uh, you're probably either viewing this on my channel or on the Afterzim Podcast channel, maybe, if it's up, who knows. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you'll find a link below to something of mine, and uh, you'll be able to get to my YouTube channel from there. Well, that concludes today's podcast. And make sure to come back on December 18th, where we'll have a new sermon and a new episode of the Afterzim Podcast. And it won't be any normal episode, no, no, no. Next week will be our Christmas Spectacular. Woo! <laughs> yes. Awesome. So we're looking forward to doing that very special episode with you guys. And with that said, have a good one and good, good night. night.